Yoga in all its forms has been a support for me in my life through all the highs and lows. It's opened my mind and my heart in ways I never knew were possible. It has been a teacher, a taskmaster, and a friend. This podcast is an offering. I wish to share the teachings of yoga with you as a tool to help navigate life. Namaste and welcome. Welcome. I'm so happy you're here. I've been giving some thought to this idea and I thought I'd flesh it out here a bit. And the phrase that I hear in my head is something along the lines of, am I having the chai or is the chai having me? Am I having the chocolate or is the chocolate having me? So when we hear that kind of a phrase, what we're really talking about is our relationship to the experiences in our life, how we choose what we choose, how we relate to our habits, our rituals, our behaviors, and maybe our routines. We could use that word as well. And so when I think about that, you know, am I having the chai or is the chai having me? What I mean by that is, am I dependent on it? Have I become attached to it? Do I need the coffee? Do I need the certain aspects of a relationship? Do I need um, whatever it might be? It's not always going to be food. Uh, It can be experiences as well. And it boils itself down to, am I driving the bus? Or as Wavy Gravy used to say, am I the bozo in the back of the bus? So if I'm driving the bus, then I have a balanced, mindful relationship with my behaviors, my habits, my rituals. And I understand that it doesn't have a grip on me And I don't have a level of attachment that without the thing or the person, I would become unhinged. So what we look at is this idea of how dependent and attached we become to certain things in our day-to-day life. Again, it has this flavor of impermanence and understanding that what we're doing in this investigative, introspective, spiritual experience that we've chosen is to stay mindful of the clinging and the grasping and how to hold our center. So we want to use different opportunities to simply witness and behold different aspects of our life. So it's not about right and wrong. It's not about good choice, bad choice. And when we hear that statement, you know, am I having the chocolate or is the chocolate having me? We're not talking about a serious life-threatening addiction here. That would be light years above my pay grade to be speaking to that. We're simply talking about 
the ins and outs of our day and what energy we bring to our favorite habits or the things that we choose to do maybe to distract ourselves. So you might find that when you're feeling a little agitated about something or you have a little anxiety about something that's coming up, you might pick up your phone and scroll on social media. And that's fine. I like to go on Instagram and go on to reels. And I like to look at animal videos. I also like to look at videos of artists in their studio. Um, I personally am not looking at the Kardashian reels. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the things I just mentioned, you know, a mountain lion walking by a newscaster and she has no idea the mountain lion is there, you know, things like that. It takes me out of the moment. It takes me out of my life. I am not making the art. I'm watching someone else make the art and it's not an art tutorial. I am just watching somebody put paint on canvas. I could be doing that myself, but that would mean I would be in my world. I could have a moment where, you know, I'm feeling a little tense or, you know, and we don't have to always have a specific script or narrative around why we're feeling what we're feeling. A lot of stuff comes up for us energetically that we don't have a label for. We say, oh, I'm feeling this anxiety because such and such is about to happen or we don't. It's just, it could just be a bubbling up of energy that we feel the need to react to. And it's not always, it's almost never, really, if you think about it, if you look at it, it's almost never 100% conscious. So we're not reaching for the chocolate or the cell phone or going to pet our dog because we're like, oh, here comes the feeling and I want to detach from it and I want to change the... No, it's usually a... Um, an involuntary reaction to an energetic sensory experience that we recognize physically before we have even a story to tell about it. That's how habitual this has become. It's, it's our, because our body speaks to our mind. We think it's the other way around, but it's not. Our bodies respond either to an environmental situation or the imprint of an environmental situation. If there's some levels of familiarity, could be sound, scent, uh, temperature, could be where you are, something someone says, your body responds to this. So you may not realize that your desire and craving for a morning Starbucks hit, now I don't care if it's a matcha latte or whatever, I'm not talking about the caffeine hit. Uh, I'm talking about the routine of, I need to go get my Starbucks item and that's how I start my day. And uh, not until then can I really arrive in my day. And you're not having these thoughts. You're just going to Starbucks or doing whatever it is you're doing. And what I'm positing here is that if we slow down long enough, we will realize that there is a lot that we do in a day 
that is about taking us out of the present moment. And I think that it's very beneficial to become aware of that and see if there's any interesting information about yourself that you can discover by looking at this. I have, and that's why I'm offering it. So very often we live in a life where we want to be anywhere other than where we are. You know, the um, Buddhists say that the true nature of suffering is wanting the present moment to be something other than what it is. We probably find that quite a bit throughout the day. I mean, you could want the present moment to be other than what it is when your alarm goes off at six o'clock in the morning and you are just, you don't want it to be. You want there to be no alarm. You want to be able to get up whenever you want. You don't want to have to be somewhere. You don't want to have to answer to anybody. And there's a part of you that suffers. There's a part of you that's grateful to have someplace to go and have a job and all of that. But there's a part of you that curses the alarm clock, for instance. We could want the present moment to be other than what it is when we want it to be sunny and it's raining or when we want it to be summer and it's winter. It's fighting against reality. That's what makes us suffer. Surrender to what is, is where we find peace, is where we find our center. Having this illusion that we're more in control than we really are, we suffer. So for whatever reason, the present moment isn't something that you um, are, are fully embracing. And again, this doesn't have to be a, a chattery narrative in your head, but you reach for things all throughout the day that are ways to help you get through whatever it is you're supposed to be getting through or doing. And the other uh, component of this is you're not often aware of what it is you're trying to get through. That's that thing I mentioned about this sensation that bubbles up. And for some reason you're reaching for that piece of chocolate or that cell phone or your dog, but there's something, there's just something. So, when we look at this, am I having the chai or is the chai having me? That's a container with which we can investigate our relationship to the things that bring us pleasure, our relationship to the things we use to momentarily check out, be distracted with. When we engage in meditation, the idea there is to create a space and a time where you can sit, ideally, you can walk if you want, but you can sit in silence. Now, not a cave in the middle of nowhere. Environmental noises are all around and we need to adjust ourselves to them, accept them, surrender to them, because that's what it is. If you sit down to meditate and your neighbor starts blowing up their leaf blower on a Saturday morning. Hey, that's what is. Can you be with what is? Or are you going to sit there and get all agitated? Me, How is this Saturday morning's my day off? And I'm just trying to have some peace and quiet. And this guy, you know, 
that's suffering. But if you can create a space for yourself where 5, 10, 15, 30 minutes a day, you're able to sit and be with what is, you will invite into this space the ability to build a relationship with all that bubbles up in you. Now, follow me on this. Many people want to sit in meditation and have headphones on. Or they want to listen to somebody guide them in meditation, or they want to uh, have some fun music on or sound healing or all this stuff. That's great. That's awesome. That's not what I'm talking about. And that's not where the real work gets done. If you sit in meditation and you decide you need to put an app on or put headphones on, that's going to give you this dreamy kind of music or something that is still a distraction. You're still distracting from the present moment. The present moment is literally sitting with what is. So you sit down in a comfortable position with a straight spine, relaxed shoulders, and you become aware of your breath. Ideally, your eyes are not closed because that's a way to check out. Your eyes are one-tenth open and your gaze is slightly softened. So you're not taking all the information of the room in. Okay, but here's, here's the thing. Meditation is not about checking out. It's about checking in. Checking in with what? Checking in with whatever is going on in your inner landscape. It's, it's time spent with the most important person in your life, you. And if that's not you, sit for longer. Because here's the thing. What I've found is people are afraid of meditation or hesitant about meditation or think they can't meditate and they can't sit still and they can't do this and they can't do that because they're afraid. What do they fear? They fear what's going to come up in them. They fear that they're going to think something that's going to be upsetting to them. Well, I'm offering this. Whatever comes up for you in silent, breath-focused meditation, whatever thoughts that come up for you, memories and thoughts, you've already lived through them. That's why they're in there. They're experiences that you've already had. They're memories, they're samskaras, they're past impressions of things that have already happened to you. And a lot of them probably sucked. A lot of them probably hurt. But you already lived through them. So what's happening here is you're in meditation and you're not necessarily thinking about anything. You're staring at a candle or you're thinking about your breath, you know, or focusing on your breath. And, and then all of a sudden, something shoots up in your mind that happened either five weeks, five days, or 15 years ago. And you're like, where the heck did that come from? And you don't like it. It's uncomfortable. But I promise you, what it is that you are recalling, you have already lived through and survived. You see, the longer we sit in meditation, the more often we make meditation a habit, the more we allow the things that have happened to us in our lives resurface in a way where we are safe 
and in an environment that's comfortable to us because we picked the meditation spot. And every time we had, it doesn't happen every time you meditate, but every time we have an experience come back to our consciousness of something that we suffered through. First of all, you're in a space where if there's more emotion in there over that, like you've got to cry or you feel anger, that's the place to do it. Let it out. Because I promise you, whatever it is, whatever they are, the memories, they're in there working on you anyway, because they're lodged in our energy body. And so they're in there manifesting in other ways. They're driving the bus and you're the bozo in the back of the bus. You see, but when you allow space in the form of meditation, to sit with whatever comes up, well, not only do you experience whatever emotion is in there that wants to be released, you know, like releasing a pressure valve, it's in there. It's causing pressure in your, causing pressure in your life. It's causing you to blow inappropriately at other times or cry in the middle of the produce aisle in the supermarket. You have no idea why you're crying or get mad at the littlest of things, okay? It's because you don't allow these valves that are built up with pressure from the experiences you've had in your life, you don't allow them any release. So you sit on your meditation cushion or in a chair or wherever you're comfortable, things bubble up and you allow them a place to be recalled and purged, okay? But here's the beauty of it. What you are also being shown is your brilliant resilience. You're stronger than you know, because that which you are remembering, you already lived through and survived. So the more we invite ourselves to sit in meditation with what is, oh, the better we get to know ourselves. And the more we build our confidence and we go, oh, I'm, I'm pretty much all that. Look what I've been through and I'm still here. I'm holding center. I've got this. But you keep hitting that distract button. You keep letting the chai have you instead of you having the chai. Then you're not ever getting the invitation to see the truth of who you are. And so you're scared, you have anxiety, you have anger, you have depression, you have melancholy, you have a lack of direction, you have an inability to focus, you have difficulty with discernment. So we want to look at our attachment to pleasures. We talked about this in the clashes in previous episodes. And we really are talking about the yamas. We're talking about, oh, mostly, I guess, brahmacharya. Uh, we're talking about a little bit of a paragraha. But brahmacharya is moderation. So here's what I know to be true about myself. I can 
make probably six cups of hot tea a day. The, the warmth of the tea, the warmth of the mug, it just all feels like a hug. The making of the tea, the aroma of the tea, but it's like six or seven cups of tea a day, mostly herbal. But the whole ritual, I think one cup or two cups, the ritual makes me feel grounded and I can meditate on, on the heat and the aroma. Yeah, that's all cool. But once you get to the fifth or sixth cup, I'm doing it because I need something to do with whatever I'm feeling and not even conscious of what I'm feeling. So in other words, there's a lot of anxious tea making that happens throughout the day. <clears throat> I know it, I address it, I'll journal, but it, again, I want to forewarn you, you don't know consciously, this is not a thinking experiment. You don't know, oh, that issue is really bugging me and that's why I'm making six cups of tea. It's, it's no, we're talking about the energy that moves in your body that doesn't have a direct name, that doesn't have a title to the story, but it's living in there. And that's why I said earlier, it's, you know, if you're crying in the produce aisle and you don't know why, it's because you have stuff that's lodged inside of you that is not getting the ability to discharge. There are many ways to discharge it. Primarily yoga asana, physical yoga poses done intentionally and with proper alignment. Proper alignment is key. And I've discussed that in a much earlier episode uh, when we did the third limb of the eight limb path of yoga on asana. But sitting in meditation, following your breath, not looking to push an easy button anywhere that helps you to get out of the moment or distract. That's all I'm asking for us to experiment with, for us to investigate. Where do we do that? You know, I know I've talked about this too, when I talked about the doshas and it's not dosha specific, but um, I have a friend that came to visit me recently and there was five or six ginormous bags that she brought to my home of food. Not for me, specifically, but the preparing of the food, the packing of the food, the schlepping of the food, the unpacking of the food, the bringing of the food to the places, the this is all a distraction. So I want to share about brahmacharya, which is moderation. And um, it is one of the yamas which is the first limb of the eight limb path of yoga. And actually Deborah Adele, A-D-E-L-E -E, in her book, The Yamas and the Niyamas, she shares this, non-excess is not about non-enjoyment. It actually is about enjoyment and pleasure in its fullest experience. The questions before us are, are you eating the food or is the food eating you? Are you doing the activity or is the activity doing you? Can you enjoy pleasure without excess? In answering these questions, we have to be able to discern between what the body needs in the moment and the story our mind is telling us. You know, when she says here, are you doing the activity or is the activity doing you? By all means, insert the word yoga there because we can very much use the spiritual path and the yogic path 
as a way to hit that distracting easy button. Get me out of this situation and give me a yoga class or a yoga mat or a yoga retreat or you know, a meditation class or a sound bath. I just want to go do all the things. They're all good for you. They're all spiritually good for you. They're all physically good for you. It's all wellness. But is it in excess? So there's Sutra 2.7 in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. And this one is in, called The Essence of Yoga, this interpretation that I'll share with you. <clears throat> it is the nature of pleasure to want to renew it. When desire progressively invades the mind and leads it to take action, it becomes a source of conflict and difficulty. Sickness, broken relationships, encumbrance of objects, and useless possessions. Such attachment shows itself not only with regard to material possessions, food, sex, honors, power, drugs, alcohol, tobacco, and so on, but to spiritual ones as well. Tossing aside responsibilities and taking refuge in badly interpreted spiritual values or excessive attachment to the spiritual endeavor in question. Interest, even powerful interest, is positive since nothing can be done when there is no interest. Passion in excess, however, is one of the principal causes of a human being's slavery. Addictions, clashes, are distortions of natural functions. So this is what I'm offering. Take note of your daily habits. Take note of the things you feel you need to have or do and your craving for them and simply note it, not judge it. It's not a bad behavior. It's simply that we want to see, does this habit have me or do I have this habit? And that is what helps you to hold the center. Meditation, simply sitting still for a certain amount of time in silence with your breathing is about allowing space, slowing down long enough for whatever is lodged inside of you to bubble up to the surface so that you can be free, so that you can begin to be liberated from the stories and the samskaras that are lodged and stuck in there. So I hope you found this interesting. Am I having the chai or is the chai having me? Thank you for listening. Hands at the heart center in prayer position. May all beings be happy and peaceful. May all beings be healthy and strong. May all beings be safe and protected. May all beings live with ease. Namaste.